true life from the Father. Jesus has already, throughout John, spoken of himself, hasn't he? That I am the door. That those who enter through me are saved. I am the true bread of life. He who feeds on me will never hunger, and he who drinks on me will never thirst. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And I am the true mind. But Jesus also wants to encourage his disciples, and so he communicates that not only am I the true vine, but my Father is the vine dresser. Now, there are many different roles in a vineyard. I had the pleasure of being able to go to the Napa Valley last year with my wife and wander through the vineyards. But even the master vintner who creates the, the vintage itself will tell you that the most important job is that of the vine dresser. The vine dresser is the one that prunes the vines and watches over the vines and cleans the vines and lifts up the vines to make sure that the vines are healthy. <coughs> My father is the vine dresser. What Jesus is saying is that it is God himself who has taken you and who has grafted you into me. That this is not of your doing. That you did not find and come to know Christ of your own volition, but it is the Father who has drawn you to me, who has planted you in me, and who will make sure that you remain in me. That even though disciples all will fall away, all will be scattered before this night is over, I will bring you back to myself. You cannot run away. For everyone who the Father has given me are in my hands, and none shall take them out of my hands. In verse 3 of this passage which we'll look at next week, Jesus tells them already, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already my Father has grafted you into me. You are mine. In fact, if you read the Greek, it actually never says you who believe in Jesus. The actual Greek is always you who believe into Jesus. Ice is the Greek word. We don't believe in Christ. We believe into Christ. We are brought into him. Think of your own conversion, your own process, whether that was a, a radical change in a moment or a, a gradual time. But when you came to Christ, it was as if the lights were coming on, as if God himself was leading you as a separate entity bringing you closer and closer to Jesus until you loved him and gave your heart to him. And he filled your heart with joy and you knew that you were his and he was yours. That I am my beloved and he is mine and his banner over me is love. Indeed, in John 15, 16, later in this chapter, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. See, what peace comes with the reality and the truth that it is the Father, the vine dresser, who has crafted us into the true vine, Jesus. Save for his patient care, we would go running after all of the things of the world that do not give life, that do not give us peace. But we do understand the temptation to go and find spiritual life in so many things other than Christ. Do we not? 
when we look at the world and we're constantly bombarded by the messages, the new psychological uh, sayings and thinkings out there to practice mindfulness and meditation, to live in the now, to experience all of the joy of what you have. And to be sure, there is, we have tremendous blessings in this country. Isn't it wonderful to live in a place which has so many freedoms? But without Jesus Christ, ultimately, that road will lead to emptiness. We're told that life is in the church, that life is in religion, and that as we're a part of the church practices, we will find life. And that is true only to the extent that we are individually in Christ. For without Christ in this building, this church is just a building. Might as well be a warehouse, empty. Well, life is not in the church. Life is in Jesus Christ, who is in the church. We're told to seek out the material things of this world, the comforts that we can find. And if we plug into those, if we graft our hearts into them, we will find life. But the reality is we'll only ultimately find death and empty promises. I don't know if you've gone to the other temple lately. I'm not speaking of the church, I'm speaking of the mall. I don't know if you've ever considered the mall as a temple, but it really is when you think about it. I mean, walk into a mall, and what you'll discover is it looks very similar to a temple. You ever notice there's no windows in the mall? There are only skylights. Why? Because it's an ethereal experience. The sun in the sky is shining down upon us. It's a cathedral of consumerism, if you will. It's all gleaming and shiny and beautiful and white and there's marble. It's like the church of old. We walk into the temple and we begin to process through the various uh, corridors of it. And everywhere we look, there are promises of beautiful, happy people. All, you never see any ugly people on the advertisements, right? They're all beautiful and they all seem to be having a wonderful time. Or they do have those strange faces at the high fashion places. But they're all wonderful and beautiful and you can be like them. And so you go to the appropriate vestibule and an acolyte meets you there, shows you the various wares. And you go ahead and find the one you want and you make a sacrifice. And in return, you receive a blessing, right? You come out with that piece of clothing, which is supposed to give contentment and enjoyment and peace and wonder as it transforms your heart. And maybe it does for seven minutes. But ultimately, it's just a piece of fabric, isn't it? All of the promises given that you're not transformed into a magical, beautiful, happy, content person. Because there's no life in it. It's a piece of rayon. It's empty. See, Jesus is saying, look out at all of the wares of the world and be wise. Because I am the true vine. If you seek to find life, if you seek to be the person who God calls you to be, 
If you seek to have enough love, not only for yourself, but for others around you, there's only one place to go. So where are you going? Are you going to the other temple for life? Are you going to your job? This is where I will derive my satisfaction. This is where I will be one with the world and with myself. There are a million idols out there, a million promises, a million counterfeit vines. Whether my friends, or my children, or my spouse, these are not bad things, but they're not the true vine. And so what Jesus is saying to the disciples and saying to us is this, bring your hunger to him. Blessed are all who long for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are hungry and needy, for they will find contentment in need. Because there's only one true mind, and his name is Jesus Christ. This brings me to my second point. He says something in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now what does he mean when he says this? Many of us, and me for some time, believe he was talking about people who are not believers, who are not grafted into Jesus Christ. Thus they have no life and he takes them away. But it doesn't say that, does it? It says every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now it could just be an expression to try to make the fruit analogy, the vine analogy work, but I don't think so. This in him is so powerful and it's so in line with what he's talking about with, with the branch and the vine. But if, it is, if this statement is also for Christians, it's extremely troubling, isn't it? Because basically it's saying, look, if you don't bear fruit, you're gone. That's a troubling thought, isn't it? Produce or leave. Publish or perish. But we see that fruit bearing is not a result of production. It's a result of indwelling in Christ. This is natural, is walking. You go into a vineyard, you don't see, uh, you don't see the branches working out and struggling to produce fruit. It's a natural process. So I want to suggest to you that, that the interpreters have missed the, the, uh, the import of this passage. There are really only two reasons for a branch not to bear fruit if it's in the vine. Number one, it's dead. Number two, bad conditions. Okay? Bad conditions. Now, what do I mean by that? To, to explain this, I need to talk a little bit about the pruning process. By the way, pruning doesn't happen during the growing season. Pruning happens after the harvest has occurred, after the last leaf has fallen, before the first bud appears. That's when the pruning happens. And what they will do is they will literally take off every single branch except to leave either two or four. Because the natural tendency of a grapevine is to flourish, is, is to produce leaves. Because leaves produce photosynthesis. And so they have to create this balance. Their purpose is to try to bear as much fruit as possible of the highest quality as possible. 
And so what they do is they take uh, these either up two or four branches and they tie them. And they're the specific branches that have buds on them because they know that they're going to produce fruits. So you can imagine when, when, when time starts and the process begins and the fruit is growing on the vines and one of them doesn't have any life. Well, that doesn't happen is the point. You see, the only way, because they've already gotten rid of all of the dead stuff. They've chosen the best of the best. And so what has happened is that this branch has come loose or has grown to such an extent that it has grown down into the ground. This word, take away, arrow, iro in Greek is, is the word. It's from where we get the word aeroplane. So it literally means to take up or to lift up. So for instance, when uh, Jesus fed the 5,000 and then they took up 12 basketfuls of bread, okay, they didn't take them away, they took them up, they picked them up. Or when Simon of Cyrene was uh, told that he had to carry Jesus' cross, he had to pick up Jesus' cross, he had to iro Jesus' cross. And so if you ask a vintner or a vine dresser what's going on here, what he would say is the reason, the only reason I can think of that this is not bearing fruit, if it's in the uh, vine, if, it, if it's alive, is that it has gone down to the dirt and it's gotten dust on its leaves. And then when it's raining, that dust combines and there becomes a, a fungus on, on, the, on the leaves. Or it's down and so it can't get any sunlight. And it's so, it's not producing. And so you know what a vine dresser will do, he does this during the day, is he walks along, and when he sees a vine that has come loose, or it's come out of the end and it's down, he will have a bucket of water, and he will wash the leaves, and he will pick up that particular vine, and he will lash it to the trellis, where it can get sun, and lo and behold, in a couple of days, it will start producing again. See, I believe that what Jesus is talking about is discipline. He's talking about vines that are not producing because they've broken away from the care and control of God. And the result is they're not bearing fruit because they are experiencing the dirt of sin that is covering their leaves, that is making them unfruitful. See, God's purpose for us is to bear fruit. But the reality is often that is a process, isn't it? And part of that process requires discipline. Hebrews 12.5 puts it this way, And have you forgotten the exhortation that has addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Now it's important you understand that I'm not talking about pruning. We're going to talk about that in a second. Discipline is different than pruning. Pruning is for branches that are bearing fruit, that they may bear more fruit. Discipline is when you're not bearing fruit. 
And it's a painful process. This washing that the vine dresser does, this lifting up, this reorienting toward the sun instead of towards the dirt. Hebrews 12 again. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So what is it that stops us from bearing fruit? And maybe you can relate to this. I know I can. There have been seasons in my life where to be sure I'm in Christ, but I'm rebellious against the Father. I'm moving in a way, in a direction that does not honor Him. I try to take a time out, if you will, from the Lord. But the wonderful thing about the vine dresser is He's our Heavenly Father. Anyone who's a parent can understand what I'm talking about, right? Can you think of seasons in the life of your children where you needed to discipline them, where they were going astray, where they were erring? Did you decide then to cut them off? Right? They're not bearing fruit. Time to take them away. No. You lifted them up. You washed them. It was a painful process. But your goal for them is fruit. And you'll do whatever it takes because you know that's what they were made for. Let me give you a couple of suggestions if you may be experiencing this in your life right now. Things that stop us from bearing fruit. Repeated sin. Bitterness and unforgiveness. Is there a bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart towards someone? that you won't let go. You'll hold on to that even tighter than you'll hold on to the vine. This helps to define me. I'm not letting go. I'm not forgiving, no matter what. It's like dirt on our leaves. And God, the good Father, is not going to let it continue. How about worldliness? Yeah, I'm in Christ. I follow Christ. I'm a Christian. But to be honest, I give Jesus about this much of my heart. And I give the rest of my heart to the world. That if you looked at my life and the evidence of it, there wouldn't be enough evidence in my, to convict me of being a Christian. At some point, our Heavenly Father says, stop. You're growing in the wrong direction. I can't continue to let you do this. Of course I'm not going to cut you away. I'm your Heavenly Father. But we experience a dryness in our heart and in our life until we decide to not conform to the patterns of this world, until we give ourselves over to the care of the vine dresser and re-commit uh, ourselves to experiencing the life of the true vine. Habitual sin. Pornography is one of the greatest evils in the church, and it affects all of us in some way, shape, or form. And it's a secret shame that no man or woman is meant to carry alone. We need to come alongside each other. But this habitual secret sin can cause a dryness in our life. Because the Father doesn't want us to live in a world of darkness. And so He comes alongside us and disciplines us for our own good. 
Charlotte Sachen für Sommer. See, my friends, discipline can be severe. It's not necessarily just a one-time thing. God just does that in its over. God is committed to us forever. And so discipline can be severe. My wife and I, we have a, a, a mode of parenting that we go into every now and then that we call tomato steak parenting. What is tomato steak parenting? It's, it's when we've given our children freedom and they're, they're going away from their ability to manage themselves, so to speak. They're not taking us with them. They're not taking who they are and what they know with them. And so what is it that we do? We draw them back and we plant, and we are the stake and we wrap them around us. In other words, you're not going anywhere. You're going to stay close to us so that we can watch over you, so you can hear our words, so that we can make sure that you're not getting into trouble until we see that you're starting to bear fruit again and that you can grow off in your particular way, but you're still connected. Tomato steak parenting. We do it with our children, and the Lord does it with us. Every branch that is not in me that is not bearing fruit, he lifts it up through discipline so that it will produce fruit. Here's the wonderful thing about discipline. Discipline ends when we respond. The whole point of discipline is to get us to start growing in the right direction. The Lord knows when we're right. But the great thing about that is the Lord is not punishing you. The Lord is seeking to grow you. And so discipline does not need to go on any longer than it has to go on. It ends when we respond. But as mature Christians, you must learn to identify discipline in your life. If you're experiencing a dryness in your spiritual life, a dryness that's deeper than just the ups and downs of being human and spirit in this life, a dryness that has continued on for a while where you know that something's not right with the Lord. Ask yourself the question, when did you stop bearing fruit? The fruit of character, the fruit of the spirit in your life, the fruit of witness in yourself. See, repentance ultimately is a lifestyle, isn't it? A moment by moment, sticking close to the true vine, letting the vine dresser have all of us for all of himself, that he might bear fruit. God is doing a work in our life. And so if that is you, I hope you're encouraged by this truth, that he will not let us go. Well, this brings me to my, my final point, those who bear fruit. He says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. Now, it makes complete opposite sense. When a crop has a wonderful harvest and it lies dormant, you would think, don't do anything, right? 
Don't touch it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Surely there's going to be a greater harvest of grapes the next season because there'll be even more growth and more maturity. But that's not true. If the vine dresser does not touch the vine, there will be more growth, but there will be less grapes. There'll be more and more leaves. And so actually what he will do is he will prune everything in terms of the branches, except for the one-year-old shoots. And he'll only keep two or four of them. He'll prune everything else. The, the, the vines that gave the grapes, excuse me, the branches that gave the grapes, they're gone. There's new life. You think that's crazy. That's dangerous. But they won't produce the same yield. The life is not in the branch. The life is in the vine. The branch is the outspread of the life that's in the vine. And so if you see a vine after it's been pruned, it looks like nothing. It's just this vine and these four things coming across the trellis. But the vine dresser knows that pretty soon when the sun and the weather comes, you'll see rich grapes. And so he cuts and he cuts and he cuts. He prunes it so that it will bear more fruit. See, part of Christianity and the Christian life is growing and being pruned and bearing and being pruned. It's a part of a process of life. And there's pain involved with it, but there's beauty. Now, here's the million-dollar question that I'm going to finish with. How do you know when it's pruning and how do you know when it's discipline? See, the difference is the purpose, first of all. Disciplining is about sin. The pruning is about self. Remember John the Baptist? He must become greater. I must become less. See, in disciplining, you're doing something wrong. But in pruning, you're doing something right. What needs to go? Sin and discipline, self and pruning. And what is the right response? In discipline, it's repentance. It's, Lord, you're right. I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. I release this to you. But in pruning, it's release. I give more of myself to you. It's the widow with the two coins. It's the giving over even more of myself, not that which is inherently self, self uh, uh, sinful, just that which is inherently me, that God wants more of. When does disciplining stop? When you repent. When does pruning stop? when he's done. The Lord does a work for a season so that he can bear even more fruit. If you're not careful, you'll mistake one for the other. And that's a big mistake. 
So when you experience a, a cutting or a moving or a lifting, you ask yourself the question, why is this happening to me? Or is there something in my life that you want? And is it sin? Examine yourself. Invite other people who you trust into your life. But you'll experience a difference in your heart as well. Discipline deals more with shame and guilt, where pruning deals more with release and inner. I don't even know if I even have the words to describe it. You just know it is when it is. The Lord is there. He's doing work. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is there are great secrets to be found in this passage of John 15. So I recount, I am the true vine. I am the one that you will find spiritual life in. And you are in me and I am in you. If you are a Christian, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Are you his disciple? Are you grafted in him? Is he king of your life? The Father is the vine dresser who's drawn you into him. Maybe he's even drawn you here today so that you might hear the gospel, that you might believe and come to faith and be his as well. Every branch in him that bears no fruit, he's not done with you, but he wants all of you for himself. He will not allow you to live in a way that is contrary to his way. Submit to his discipline. Repent. Let Christ fill you with the fruit that comes from walking in accordance with his will and his ways. Are you bearing fruit that are experiencing a pruning season in your life? Don't worry. It's just for a season not doing something wrong, you're doing something right. Even more fruit is to come. You know, when it's winter, you prepare for summer. When it's summer, you prepare for winter. But the one thing that stays the same is the vine life and the vine dresser who's always at work every day watching over you his children. You did not choose me, Jesus said, but I chose you. And I pointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So let us surrender our will, our ways, our habits to the care of the vine dresser. And to be bearers of the fruit of God's love and God's life through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. We thank you that you never let us go and that your work will be accomplished, that you have put us in you and appointed us to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So Lord, let us heed your words. If we're in a season of no fruit because uh, of sin, Lord, help us to repent. Lord, whether it be bitterness or anger or walling away ourselves and living in a life that's not in accordance with you. Let us give that to you. Let us have the courage to allow others to come into our life and help us. Father, if someone's in a, in a season of pruning, Lord, help them to realize 
the truth that you're not disciplining me, Lord, that you're simply doing your work of growing us more and more into your likeness, that we may bear more and more fruit in accord with the character of your son, Jesus. We pray all of this in his name. Amen.